This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Welcome. We're here today with uh, Gilbert Probes, Professor Gilbert Probes, who, as I say, is a professor of organizational behavior and management, and he's the director of the executive MBA program at the University of Geneva. He has also been the managing director at the World Economic Forum and dean of the Global Leadership Fellows Program, and uh, and that's quite uh, an honor as well. He he does work in the area of managing growth and learning organizations and knowledge management and has consulted for various major companies um, throughout the world. And I'm Dave Reepstein, a professor here at the Wharton School, and we'll be hosting the uh, Wharton Nation Branding Conference on October 28th. And uh, Professor Probst, uh, welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Happy to talk to you about uh well, whatever it is, public-private partnerships. Well, that is what I want to so, talk to you course, about. Uh, a, a specific... And your topic, of course, nation, uh, nation branding. Well, I think they're highly connected, which is why I really want to talk with you about it today. Um, and I want to talk to you about public-private partnerships, as you said, uh, because I know you've done a lot of work in that area. And so um, let's begin, because not everybody knows that expression. Um, how do you go about defining a public-private partnership? Well, I don't want to make it too uh, academic. I think in general, I think there is uh, a new collaboration paradigm. And I uh, truly believe that collaboration is the paradigm of the 21st century. Um, Public-private partnership goes back in the early 90s, where it actually started, um, where much more it was uh, involvement in contracts between a public sector authority and the private and private parties. But I would take it much broader. All over the world, we, uh, and at both strategic and operational levels, key players from public sector, business, and civil society are working out how to work together today as partners to find long-term solutions to most intractable problems uh, facing us environmentally, socially, or, but also economically. Could, could, so, you, could you give yeah. us a couple examples of that and uh, that would make it uh, come alive for some of our listeners? Sure. Well, I, the origin is public-private partnerships were uh, commonly associated with tender-based infrastructure pro, uh, projects and contracting out. But the last decades, we have seen a trend towards public and private actors more collaboratively addressing societal challenges that one alone cannot solve. So areas are of health, education, water, um, poverty, where we need actually all the different stakeholders to collaborate. And I could give uh, many, and I think we may maybe with other questions then also pick it up, but typically at the World Economic Forum, uh, we have one that's called New Vision for Agriculture, um, where you have today 33 global companies, 19 governments, then international and donor organizations, civil society organizations, farmer associations. 
uh, where the, the, the idea is really to build a leadership commitment to action where uh, you try to improve the productivity and the sustainability and economic benefits in, in agriculture, uh, where you improve the whole value chains, and, and that's typically where you really have to include all the stakeholders. Um, most of the projects are in Asia and in Africa, but it is really a, a committed multi-stakeholder network that tries to drive here how to solve, and the problem to solve is actually food security, and uh, this includes the need for new uh, vision for agriculture. I'm happy to give more on this, but that this is just one. The Tropical Forest Alliance, by the way, is a new one that goes in that direction where, again, one country alone or one nation alone, but also business alone cannot solve uh, such problems that are there related. Um, others are water distribution and water use. Uh, that is uh, a worldwide problem and probably one of the uh, top problems at all, I think much more important than oil and gas uh, in, in the future will be water and where, again, a, a country alone or business alone cannot solve the problem. So often what it is that I see is, is some coalition of countries working on a particular problem. Many of those uh, that might be uh, like we have, we have seen some uh, – some agreements done about the environment across countries. I'm trying to think about the role of companies in that as well. Um, and so when you, the one that you mentioned of the New Vision Agricultural Project, is, are there specific companies that are involved in that as well? Um, oh, yes, there are. Well, the agricultural there is from BASF, uh, Bayer, Cargill, um, DuPont, Heineken, uh, you have uh, banks like Rabobank and others. You have the Monsanto company, Nestle's, Unilever, who are very uh, much Walmart stores. They all are um, corporate champions that really invest a lot of time and their their experience, their 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 knowledge that they contribute. Uh, then you have the countries that are often uh, that are core, like Vietnam, Indonesia, Myanmar, Philippines, the India, you have in Africa, Tanzania, and Ethiopia, and Kenya, and Rwanda, Burkina Faso, and others. And then you have the uh, global platforms and funding that come from specifically from countries like the U.S., Switzerland, and Netherlands. Then you have international organizations like, like the FAO, uh, the UN High-Level Task Force, uh, the WFP, you have um, you have civil or organi civil society organizations who, who are needed there, like WWF and Oxfam and Gain. So they, they, these are the these they all agree that one alone here cannot really solve uh, a problem, and um, and I think that's where why public-private partnerships really um, be became so important. Have and, and, and what it is is we're addressing big public issues is what I hear you talk about. I'm curious, are the companies participating in this out of philanthropic interest, um, pub, uh, PR interest, or is there some economic aspect for those firms that is uh, behind their motivation? Um, 
there, well, there is economic uh, interest. There is um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different interests actually that come together. It can be because you have the experience and you see that you can contribute. It it is because you so you, you see the necessity. Um, Necessity can be responding to investor or shareholder demands. That's actually something that is really growing, you know, where the shareholder demand expects this. Uh, it can be because you want to meet host government requirements. It can be because um, you can only fund uh, or um, finance projects in collaboration with, um, with a nation. Uh, but it's also... Um, creating a legis legitimacy in the sense of protecting corporate reputation and brand or creating actually corporate brand and uh, reputation. Uh, I could say the same, by the way, for nations afterwards. Uh, it can be because you, um, you want to commit or you commit to, to values and principles in, in a company or policies and you want to show that you really live up to it and and one one that comes more more into play is actually attracting and motivating uh, talented employees um i have actually several cases where we could see that where at the beginning the company or the employees were reluctant to really work for because they felt this is maybe not the core business or this is not the project that have most visibility and then um they got a lot of motivation a lot of um, you know, positive feelings out of it. Um, also feeling that companies are contributing to Then uh, I think another one is, and I have good examples, there's a, a LE, the LET, the logistics emergency teams, where the lo logistics companies got together to help in, um, in, in flooding uh, or any catastrophic uh, situation. And there too, they invest uh, in it because they they can get they get of course access to the the, the governments. They but they again it is motivating for their employees. Um, they can develop also new services or they can develop uh, new procedures. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different interest for the companies actually. To, to do this. So I am hearing a multiplicity of uh, motivations, one of which is, uh, that you made very clear is um, it's, it's good image building for the company with, within, for your employees, make them feel better about the company they work for, but also um, externally. Now, you also said, and uh, it's obviously an interest of mine, is thinking about the image for the nation. And do some nations participate in these alliances uh, because it's good for their nation's brand to be associated with these endeavors? Absolutely. I think um, nations participate, of course, when there's a need, for, so there, there's real problems. That's, that's one. I will be clear. I mean, you, if you have a catastrophe, if you have a, a shortage of water, and you can't solve the problem, so you, you go into public-private partnerships. So, so that's but, really clear when we think about but, some of the African nations and some of the water shortage that exactly. might be there, yeah. as well as electricity, et cetera. Uh, and, and, and that would be part of it. But go ahead. You were also but, saying... But it can also be... Um, well, one is, of course, there, I mean, there, there should always be a problem that you want to solve. 
But um, it can also be that uh, you realize that it is good for your brand, for the nation branding. I, I take Germany, or actually these days, no, I take a better one. If you look at these days, the EU, um, the EU, if we think of the investment plan for Europe of the EU Commission under uh, Juncker, uh, you could see that um, yesterday he not only took, uh, picked it up again in his speech uh, at the EU Commission, he showed the investment plan for these investments in 300, of uh, 315 billion euro through a co-financing by private sector and European Investment Bank. And the, uh, the plan there was cleared to a core of a branding building approach for Europe. And um, so it was in a speech that you can actually read it up. If you go look on yesterday in the State of the Union speech, that is probably all over the internet today uh, still. Um, so there is a, a reason to 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 the way you want to be seen. The same is uh, sustainability. Uh, I mean, their CSR contributing to the branding of a company, but it also does, of course, to uh, nations. Well, the, the an example that comes to my mind is Grow Africa, a platform created in 2012 to promote African agriculture development partnerships. And the acceleration of investments through public-private partnerships uh, helps, of course, a, a, a nation also to look good, to say, we, what is it what we really do, what we contribute? And they need the multi-stakeholder platform. To, uh, um, here, if I take the... Uh, Grow Africa, again, there's Unilever and Heineken and Cargill and Swiss Re who are in. But the interesting thing is um, uh, that there are initiatives that really help the nation to, to get a better image and or get actually another brand. I remember there was an initiative within this Grow Africa called the Growth Enhancement Support Scheme that, that was applied in Nigeria. Right. And typically where um, Minister Adesina, who was the Minister of Agriculture and Rural Development, uh, invested a lot in that. Um, with this, uh, he initiated, initiated this, this initiative um, to overcome corruption in the fertilizer and seed distribution channels. So he did aim at connecting farmers directly to private suppliers by means of mobile phone technologies, and uh, so uh, by that, bypassing the middlemen. And this innovative initiative is a success thanks to, you know, the speed of the leadership of the Minister of Agriculture. It showed, of course, that they live up to what they promised. But though at the same time, they, cr they created a trusted platform and, uh, uh, and a development that, that not only spurs collaboration and development, but it, it also um, created much more trust. It created much more transparency. It um, attracted more investors. And, and I think that's how you, that, that's of course what the impact of um, a national brand um, then is, is, as, is there as a result, but it has also an impact. So, so um, actually, I think it's a wonderful example. Um, I'm assuming that um, 
that what happened was that, first of all, food became more available and at a cheaper price within Nigeria. Exactly. And so it it made it a better nation because of more abundance, healthier citizens, and a little bit more affordable. Mm -hmm. Um, And in, in that way, it really helps brand Nigeria, not just helping the brand, but it also helps the people of Nigeria. Um, were there other countries that were involved in that? Uh, oh yeah, there is. There's a lot of there. Um, I think sixteen uh, countries involved. So there's the, this is really a collaboration uh, between also um, countries where the, they have to exchange. But I just gave you an example because it was one country uh, that actually also worked directly on its own. Um, brand in that sense, you know, or created a, a much stronger brand. So in many of these partnerships, um, who's really in charge? Because I'm trying to think about the brand and the image that results from any of this, and <laughs> everybody's got their own particular interests, be, be it, you know, BASF, who is interested in trying to do something good and positive, uh, but also concerned about their brand, or Monsanto, or any of the others. And then the multitude of countries. So who's who's really in charge of the project, and then does everybody independently work on their nation's brands and corporate brands, or how does that work? Um, well, the easiest is, of course, if it is uh, one nation uh, and and then uh, an industry or, or companies involved, uh, where you really create like a, a contract or, or a partnership in an easy way. I, I now use the, a little bit the, the very big ones that um, that are, are go across nations, of course, what makes it a little bit more difficult. And what you often have there is um, a broker. This could be the World Bank. This can be the World Economic Forum. And, and typically that means where the World Economic Forum plays then the role of a broker, bringing them together, uh, creating structures, helping them to, to build uh, a government or a governance system, uh, and then, but also then that it it flies on its own. Gain, by the way, is uh, a typical one that uh, came out of it. Became a big organization uh, in our in our days. But and Grow Africa is is one that um, is still halfway now on uh, with the World Economic Forum, but on its way to be run afterwards as an independent alliance. But you're right, there it becomes, the, 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 the risk is, of course, that suddenly, sudden, um, that countries want to take over or want to take all the credits, or companies want to get more out, uh, credits out of it. But uh, that's, that's one of the big um, also research topics that we have to say, how can you create this? And, you know, how can you make sure that um, it stays really a partnership and everybody wants to and, and stays as a in as a partner and contributes. So are 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 these public private partnerships which address major societal issues are these on the rise do you believe or are these just you know they they episodically occur? Oh, and, no, they they are on the rise and they doubled from if you take in the 90s where it started it doubled every 3 to 4 years and 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 there's there's a huge amount now of public-private partnerships. I think, A, because people see the reason, they see 
Um, there's much more experience, of course. There's much more support. Um, there's a huge support. Um, if you take the World Bank, they are the, what, the largest broker, and there are hundreds of public-private partnerships uh, that if you go on the, uh, on the website of the UN, you can actually look them up. The same is true for um, the World Economic Forum as another typical broker. But um, there's also much more in, in smaller and actually, we should talk maybe more about smaller cases. Uh, I have one that we just research, do research on where the, the Zurich Flood Resil- uh, Resilience Program, where the Zurich um, company actually goes with, the, with the regions or here nations like Nepal or so who have these problems to say, we go into a public-private partnership and this includes um, the, the Federal uh, Red Cross. And by the way, that includes the Wharton School, <laughs> right. because the Wharton School was very active. Uh, they, uh, well, the, the Wharton School was brought in because not only do they focus on developing world, but they also carry a strong emphasis on behavioral aspects of risk management. So that was this, this your risk team that uh, was involved in that. I didn't plan to talk about this, and don't ask me too much, but I know that uh, colleagues of yours uh, are actually very uh, much involved in that. I I use it more to say um, the Zurich Insurance had really this vision, and so we can do much better by by really building um, public-private partnerships and I know they expand it now, so the, the Nepal uh, example is very successful, and they want to roll it out now. Um, and I know about it just because one of my uh, former fellows, Linda Freiner, is actually run, was running this um, Zurich Flood Resilience Program, and I know that uh, she's now responsible for sustainability. Uh, so, for the whole sustainability it, it, program. it's sort of interesting because you can identify a number of issues that really call for these uh, these partnerships to exist. Uh, the latest one that just came to my mind is trying to think about you know various different uh, diseases that might be going around uh, the world currently. Um, there there is some fear about the spread of the Zika, Zika virus, and you can imagine the World Health Organization working with various different companies to uh, try and address this issue. And it affects the brand of certain nations uh, where Zika might be more prevalent and uh, and people worry about the risk of being in those particular countries. Uh, Gilbert, I find this to be a very, very interesting area. Uh, you've been doing a lot of work in this area. And as you say, it's a absolutely growing uh, domain. So congratulations for positioning uh, your your work there, and I think you've been contributing a lot, and through the work that you've been doing with the World uh, Economic Forum that has been addressing uh, some of these issues, as you note. So thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, good good luck with your work, and I'll look forward to um, to seeing you again. Thank so, you. Uh, well, and I'm happy to continue this because there's a lot that we probably could. Uh, continue to discuss, um, you know, also for you, the nation branding, I think, is not something that is uh, very, where most people are aware of, uh, maybe not even using it uh, yet enough, but I think governance can do a lot there, uh, also because it helps them to 
show good governance. It helps them to engage business in the policy dialogue. It uh, it provides all the stakeholders with better information and coordination. And I think there's a lot that probably in your field um, may come up in in the next couple of years. That's why I'm working in that area, and I'll look forward to uh, trying to work with you on some of this. So thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.